He's worthy of more praise. He's worthy of more rejoicing. He's worthy of more thanksgiving. He is worthy. And he is so good to us. Somebody said amen. Amen. If you want to be turning in your Bibles, the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 13. 2 Corinthians in chapter 13. I'm going to begin reading here in verse number 1. The Apostle Paul, of course, writing his second letter back to the church at Corinth. He's not able to visit at this time, so he sends by way of letter. I'm thankful for what the Holy Spirit did as we were studying this Wednesday in the book of Acts and how for the first time the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church at Thessalonica. Some say the first letter may have been to the church at Galatia, but one of those two was a letter. And God had positioned him in places that he could no longer go back to those cities at that time. There was a ministry going on where he was. And so the Apostle Paul, God, began to use him through the anointing of the Holy Spirit and put his pen to the paper. And he began to write letters to the churches. And I'm very thankful that he did because those letters to the churches became the New Testament of the Word of God. It is those letters to the churches that made a difference in the church at Corinth, that made a difference in the church at Galatia and Thessalonica and Philippi. But it is the, it is the letters that make a difference to the church of LaGrange, Georgia. Amen? So here in this second letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse number 1, the Apostle Paul said, This is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before and foretell you as if I were present the second time. Being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. Since ye seek proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you were it is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live in him by the power of God towards you. And in verse number 5, where I want to look this morning, it says, But examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. You know, last week we looked at the church. We looked at what is the church. What, what is the scriptural definition of the church? But this morning, I want to go a little bit more inside the church. As we looked last week to identify the church. This morning, I want us to look for just a few minutes at identifying ourselves. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. God, thank you for this letter. Thank you for this precious book, God. Thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit. You are worthy, God. You alone are worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor. God, I pray you'd forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for, for our weakness. Forgive us for our failures. Forgive us, God, for our lack of praise. Our, our lack of sincere worship. Our lack of, of offering up praise and thanksgiving as often as we should, God. For you are constantly good to us. There's never a time that you're not good. There's never a situation that you're not good. Father, I pray you'd move in the midst of us this morning. I pray your sweet Holy Spirit would do a work here in this place. I pray you'd speak, beginning with me, God, to every heart in this place to help us, Father, that we walk out to serve you better. We love you. You've been good to us. Lord, we thank and we praise you in the precious, sweet, and holy name of Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. Now, I, I've seen, it seems in my mind that I've preached from this passage Fairly recently, I can't really remember exactly when it was. I can't even remember what the message might have been. Maybe I just used this scripture in a, in a quote. I just, it, it seems like I remember it. But here's the deal. I heard a message from Dr. Adrian Rogers about three weeks ago. And, and the message challenged me. The, the message encouraged me, strengthened me, but it challenged me. A message that made me, made me stop and, and view some things and look at some things. And here's what I learned in Bible school. In Bible college, they taught us, especially in the doctorate program, they said, if you hear a message that really moves you, take it and study it. Now, there's multiple reasons for that. You take it and study it because it moves you. That means God's speaking to you. If a message moves you, if a message means something, if it says anything to you, that means that God took that message, he spoke to you. But what they said was take it and study it out because God may give you something from that to use because here's what they said. If it moved you, it'll move others. So, so I want you to know that this is from that message there from Dr. Adrian Rogers, verse number 5. Paul says in 2 
Corinthians chapter 13 to examine yourselves. Whether ye be in the faith, he says, prove your own self. Now, I used this illustration a couple of years back. We were going through 2 Corinthians in our Bible study right now. Love to have it. If you guys don't have your own Wednesday night, bring your kids, put them down there. Coming here, we're doing a study through the book of Acts. Each week, we try to study a passage and see how does that relate to my life today? How can it help me today? What does that scripture have to do with me right now? So now we're in the book of Acts. We just started chapter 17. Love to have you be there and be a part of it. We learned something. I learned something every Wednesday night. I hope somebody else does. But a couple years ago, I used this example because we were talking about identifying things. And, you know, it's easy to identify some things. Some things are a little harder. You know, people try to sell fake gold and fake stuff all the time and offer it like it's a deal and they're putting it out there. But in reality, it, it's not real. And there, there's some ways you can test gold to see if it's real. Number one, you can use a magnet. You can take and stick because gold will not stick to a magnet. So you can test it with a magnet. But there is a problem that's not foolproof. There are other metals that won't stick to a magnet. So you can get fooled if it is a correct piece of metal that just simply has some gold plating over it. But there's a foolproof test called nitric acid. Because if you put nitric acid on any metal, there will be a chemical reaction. So if you're dealing with something that's not gold, it'll begin to, to turn colors. It'll change. If it's, if it's fake gold, it'll turn green almost immediately. If it's some type of silver overlaid with gold, it'll turn kind of a milky color. But it is a... Foolproof test. Paul said, examine yourselves. He said, try a little bit of acid. Try, try putting yourself to, to the test and, and see. He says, you want to know if I'm a true apostle. That's what he said. You guys, you want to know if, I, if I'm a true apostle. I'm going to show you the answer to that question. He says, but you need to make sure that you have some things right first. So I want to start this morning by identifying some, some different categories of people in the Word of God, if we can. We'll identify some categories, and then we can examine ourselves and look back and see what category we fall in. Now, one category that I can go ahead and guarantee you that myself and everyone in here falls in, everyone who has ever been born since Adam falls into it, and that is we are all sinners. That, that you, you, you can go ahead and write that down. We're all sinners. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were all born into sin. When, when David had sinned with Bathsheba, and, and the prophet Nathan that came to him and, and brought it up, and he put the harshness what it should be, and Nathan said, Thou art the man. David was broken. And in chapter 51 of Psalms, verse number 1, David prayed. He said, have mercy upon me, O God. Anybody ever had to pray that one? According to thy love and kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgression. If you ain't ever had to pray that one, well, I ain't going to say you never had to. You might not have never prayed it, but I'm sure you've needed to. But you might want to underline that part and be able to turn back to it. Forgive me, God, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, not on what I'm worthy of, but on your tender mercies, blot out my transgression. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. David's wanting some mercy. David's wanting to be right with God again. He's made a mistake. He's committed a sin and he's broken. And he wants some things right. And, and he says, I acknowledge my transgressions. My, my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. But in verse number 5, David says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. That means we are born into sin. We inherited <clears throat> that trait from the beginning. That is a category of people that we cannot escape from. We, we are all sinners, however. That's not the end of the story, right? Paul Harvey would say now the rest of the story. Chapter 5, verse number 8 of the book of Romans, Paul said, But God, love the words, but God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Being much more than, or much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So even though we're sinners, somebody ought to get excited on a Sunday morning. We don't have to go to hell. Even though we are sinners, we don't have to pay for our sin. Even though we're sinners, we're, we're sinners, we owe no debt. 
We will not have to pay for them ourselves because we are forgiven. We are called sinners saved by grace, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Sins to never be remembered no more. Name written forever in the Lamb's book of life to never be erased. A seal upon your forehead that cannot be removed, cannot be taken off. That is sinners saved by grace of which we as children of God are. But then there are those sinners who in spite of the fact that the price has been paid to set them free. In spite of the fact that the gift has been offered through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit of God. They will pay penalty for their sin themselves because they rejected Jesus Christ. They will be cast into hell, even worse, eventually, to the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20.10 gives us that torment. It says that the devil that deceived them, <clears throat> yeah, Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10, the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, shall be tormented day and night forever. If you've ever been over in the judgment scene over here of um, Judgment Journey, you've heard this line. I saw a great white throne. Can I go ahead and just put you a little plug real quick right here? You can thank God this don't involve you. There will be a judgment for you. There will be a judgment seat of Christ. While all hell has broken loose on this earth. And all of that judgment journey business is going on. And all of the tribulations being poured out. And the wrath of God on this earth. There will be a marriage supper of the Lamb. Of where we will be. And there will be great rejoicing. But there will be a judgment seat of Christ. Where your works will be tried as by fire. Those things you did for truth. Those things you did for God. Those things you did for the glory of God are like precious jewels. They'll stand the fire. But those things that you did for a personal glory, those things that you did for a pat on the back, those things that you did to be seen of men, they will burn up like wood, hay, and stubble. There will be a judgment seat of Christ where our works will be tried as by fire. But praise God, that great white throne of judgment has nothing to do with you and I because it says him that sat upon it from whose face the heaven in the earth, well, the earth and the heaven, I'm getting mixed up between my lines and how it actually is. <clears throat> between, between earth and the heaven have fled away and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. You better pray to God your name is in there. Trust Jesus Christ. Get your name in that book because the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. That was evil works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up them. I told you many times I wanted to preach a message one time called hell is not forever. God's just not really giving it to me. Hell is not forever. It only gets worse. Because death and hell are cast in to the lake of fire. It says the sea gave up the dead. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. They were judged every man according to their works. That was evil. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Such a tragic end. Such a tragic eternity because Romans 6, 23, it tells us that the wages of sin is death. That is the second death. The wages of sin, the penalty is hell. The penalty is the lake of fire. The wages of sin is death. It says, but, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So there's two categories of sinners. Those who were born twice. We're only going to die once. Those who are born once are going to die this, this second death that it talks about right here. Th those who are born in the flesh and born in the spirit will, will never die twice. Hebrews 9.27 tells us it's appointed unto man how many times to die? Once. It's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. The first death is an appointment in the flesh. The second one is a choice. You will go to hell because you choose to. You will go to hell because you rejected the name of Jesus Christ. You rejected the blood of the Lamb of God. You rejected grace. You rejected mercy. You rejected forgiveness. You chose the things of this world. And you said, I'm going to live here. I don't need your Jesus. Fine. But you will. And it's going to be too late. So we see that, that, that there's two kinds of sinners. And, and we praise God that we're in the family of the redeemed. 
Praise God, we're in the family of the name that, that is written. But, but the Word of God still gives us other categories. And I want to look at some of them this morning. James says in chapter 1 and verse 21, he says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your souls. Then he says, But be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That means if you're a child of God, you ought to live like one. If you're a child of God, your vocabulary ought to give you away as one. If you're a child of God, your presence, your appearance, your attitude, your actions, your love for people. What he says is if you're a child of God, be one. If you say you're a child of God, live like one. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. He says deceiving your own selves. If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. When Paul wrote his first letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 2, verse number 12, he said, We've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, but the natural man. That's the first one I want to look at this morning. He receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So category number one, what we see that Paul talks about, is the natural man. Now, here's the problem with the natural man. Listen to the question before you raise your hand, because it's important that you get it right, or you're probably going to raise your hand by yourself. How many of you in here had to spank, constantly train, and teach your children how to be bad? Raise your hand. You know what, those little angels? Those precious little darlings, you never had to teach them how to be bad? Well, what about this one? Listen carefully. How many of you, your, your parents had to spank you continually? They, they had to spank you Work on you to teach you how to lie. You will lie. They did a good job, I'll tell you that. How many of your parents had to teach you how to steal? Teach you how to be disobedient? Teach you how to hate? None of us. You know why? Because it all came natural. There is the natural man. Pastor Ike Reichard used to say it all the time when we were up at New Hope. He said nobody ever had to teach their children how to be bad. Pastor Ike Reichard, if i got just a minute, let me share something with you real quick. It will help you understand the other part of the story a little bit. He married his high school sweetheart. Her name was Cindy. He and Cindy had been married a little while, and they, she got pregnant. They went in the hospital to have their first child. Everything's fine. All, all the pregnancy had been fine. They're in the labor and delivery room. Ike's there. All of a sudden, something went terribly wrong. Doctors begin to bark out orders. Nurses begin to run around. And the doctor points at Ike Reichard and he says, get him out of here. And, and he's like, what's going on? What, what? And they're taking him out the door. And, look, and, and the doctor stops and he points at Ike Reichard. He says, save your wife or save your baby? That, that's a pretty tough question on the spot, isn't it? But how many men know we, we've already known our wife before? We, we're going we're gonna to love that baby. He, he, he said, save my wife. And, and they carried him out. So he went straight to the chapel. And for an hour, he's begging God. And the doctor comes walking in. He says, I'm sorry. But they both died. There was nothing we could do. It's like one in millions and millions of how many times that that can actually happen. It just happened to be him. Well, it wasn't too terrible long after that. A, a friend of mine named Phil Gray. Actually, Phil and Warren Gray. Warren was in my class. Phil was a year older. We played football together up at Bett County High School. And Phil, after he graduated, he went up and played football at the University of Georgia. Go dogs. And I'm, did that slip out? I'm sorry. <laughs> he went up and played football at the University of Georgia. He came home, and, and he was bush hogging a field. And um, not really sure. More than likely, yellow jackets, bumblebees. Anybody ever bush hog field knows the deal. Something caused him to get thrown from the tractor. And when you're bush hogging a field and you fall off the tractor and the bush hogs behind the tractor, you kind of know the end results, right? Well, Phil was dating a girl by the name of Robin, not my Robin, thank God, was dating a girl named Robin, and she, been, she began doing counseling because they, that Phil and Robin were engaged to be married. So she starts counseling with Ike Riker. Now they're, Lord, Robin, what, 12 years apart? 14, a bunch. They're, they're several years apart. They've been began counseling, and, and all, you know, questions, things begin to happen. How, how many... 
How many of you can, can just say you know that God always has a plan? You know, I find himself in a what moment? My, my what? My wife and baby, what? The answer is what? The answer is why? But can I tell you, God has a plan beyond what? God has a plan beyond why? And I don't really know how all that works out, but I do know that God made a way and Ike and Robin were married. And then not too terrible long later, they had a little girl named Abigail. And so that's why I bring you, because I want you to understand why Ike tells this part of the story. He said he wrote a book called 12 Sure-Fired Ways to Raise Your Children. He said, I had the plan. I knew how to, how to get it done. So I wrote that book, and then we had Abigail. He said, I rewrote the book, and I gave it a new title. It was called A Couple of Things You Just Might Want to Try. Anybody, anybody raised children, you, you know the deal. It's all about trying to teach them to be good because the truth is sin comes naturally. None of us have to work to do bad things. None of us have to work to think bad thoughts. None of us have to work to get into bad trouble. We have to work to try to do good. Somebody bail me out and say amen, so I and then I was all by myself. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 3 says, Among whom we also, we, we all had our conversation in times past, we hope it's in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. All of us are born into the natural world through a natural birth. Now, here's where the problem comes in. Anybody watch Andy Griffin? Anybody remember the episode where Andy is trying to teach Opie about sharing? I think it's the one where Opie didn't put but like two pennies in the Christmas fund or something. And he's trying to teach about sharing. But what he don't know, you know, the moral end of it was Opie trying to save his money. He wanted to buy his little girlfriend a coat because winter's coming. She's not on coat. But Andy's trying to teach him about sharing. And, and, and Opie's just not, he's telling him, you need to put more money. Said, but I, I just can't. I can't, Paul. And he said, look, look, son. He takes an apple and he's trying to make a point. He said, how would you feel if I took this apple and I ate this whole apple and I wouldn't share it with you? He said, oh, I wouldn't mind, Paul. And he says, you wouldn't. He said, no, that apple's got a worm in it. <laughs> and he's like, Opie, but, but, but you're missing the point. Now, here is the truth about an apple with a worm hole in it. The worm didn't go in. The worm came out. The, the apple with the hole doesn't have a worm, but because the worm was born in the blossom. And, and what was born in the blossom made its appearance when it came through the outside. When you and I came forth from the womb, we inherited sin. The sin was born in the blossom. So the sin comes naturally. And what is on the inside of a natural man will make its appearance on the outside. Even when we are saved, somebody in there, please help me and tell me even when we are saved... We still battle the natural man on a daily basis. The natural never dies. It never goes away. It's a constant battle. That's why we need to constantly stay in the book. Now, here's the problem with the natural man. He can't understand the things of God. He can't understand the things of God because he has not been born again. Therefore, he has not indwelled with the Holy Spirit. He has not been born in the Holy Spirit. He has not been born again. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit living inside to help him, lead him, guide him, direct him, tell him right from wrong, and help him understand the book. Now, if we go back to that text there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Can, can I tell you the world thinks you're foolish? The, the, the world thinks that your stuff is foolishness. The world thinks that if you get up an hour early to read the Bible and to study in the morning, that's foolish. The world thinks if you take time during your lunch hour to go read the Bible, that's foolish. The world thinks if you got up to be here on Sunday morning, that's foolish. The world, it says that it is foolishness to him. But here's what it says. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, here's the problem. It says there that the natural man receiveth not the things of God. That word receiveth comes from a Greek word. Looks like dikomahi. But it means to welcome or to accept. What verse number 14 says is that the natural man is not willing to accept the gift of God 
through Jesus Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he cannot understand the things of God. So if we look at verse number five in our text, Paul said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know, you not your own, know not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. The word that Paul uses there for, for reprobates, it, it describes a, a people who practice sinful living. They, they practice a sinful lifestyle. Romans 1.28 says, Even as they did not to, like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness. And then it goes on to list all, the, all those sinful acts. But, but if, we, if, we, if we look on down, but, but this warning is talking about an apostate, somebody that, that's never truly been saved, even though they, they claim to be saved. Paul says, examine yourselves. We, we are to compare. Our, listen, if you're comparing yourself to your neighbor, you got the wrong benchmark. If you're comparing yourself to the Christians sitting around you, you got the wrong benchmark. If you're comparing yourself to mom, dad, brother, sister, you got the wrong benchmark. If you're comparing yourself to anything but Jesus Christ, you got the wrong benchmark. And if you do things just to make yourself feel good, look good, think you're doing good, you got the wrong benchmark. He says, examine that we're to examine ourselves. So we see the, the natural man. But, but then in verse number 15 of our text, it says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. You know, a natural man, honestly, can, can come into a church. He can, he can enjoy a choir. You don't have to be spiritual to enjoy good music. You can enjoy the band. You can enjoy worship. If you like being around people, he can enjoy handshaking and fellowshipping. Enjoy all that. He, he's an outgoing kind of person. A, a, spirit, a, a, a natural man can enjoy that. A natural man can even enjoy the message, especially if he don't get too hard out of this book so that it begins to cut him. And as long as you get some little feel good, don't step on your toes stuff, he can come in and, and, and enjoy a message. But what he cannot do is understand the things of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness them that perish are those who are not born again that is the second death it says that the preaching is foolish to them it goes on to say but unto us which are saved it is the power of god now think think about it kind of like this i was trying to think of a a, a good illustration how how many of you knew that dale sent a message out yesterday of which i got at the same time you did that we're doing a picture today appreciate that how many of you got that message? So here's the deal. Let, let, me ask, let me ask it to you another way. How many of you have a cell phone? So if you want the messages from the church, call 706-884-3100 and get signed up either for text messages or the, the voice messages or both. Or you can just talk to Larry Estes and say, I want to be signed up. I want the notification. I want the one call or I want the text message. The one call is more informative. The text message is limited because of the amount of spaces he can use. So if you want to really know the details, get the one call. And you get to listen to, to Larry give all the details. And you always get to him say, by the way, Faith, we love you. Y'all get the one call? So here's the deal. We have one call. Let, let me give you this in the Holy Spirit to help you understand the, the difference. Everybody has a cell phone. And Larry sends out a one call or a one text. And it goes out to everyone who is plugged into the sender. The message went out to the whole world. Anybody around the entire globe that is plugged into the sender, when that message goes out, you're going to get it. So it goes out through the airway. The message is sent by the sender so that all who are plugged in with the sender get the message and they have an understanding of what's going on those who have a cell phone but they're not plugged in the same message went out but they didn't get it does that help anybody understand god can send out answers god can send out movement god can send out explanations of the word of god but if you're not plugged into the sender you ain't going to get it God can send out information. God can send out blessings. God can send out a movement to change the world. But if you're not plugged into the sender, you're not going to get it. Does that help anybody? 
A great illustration of born again is there in John chapter 3 when Nicodemus, he's one of the religious leaders. He comes to Jesus. I know you know the story, but I'm going to share it anyway just in case somebody doesn't. He comes to Jesus by night, and he's obviously seen the things Jesus does. He wants to believe in Jesus, but he's hanging out with a bad crowd. He's hanging out with the Pharisees who are tearing this Jesus down. So he sneaks out by night, and he calls him rabbi. We know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? You know what the problem was? This is an incredibly intelligent man. This is a man that is versed in the scriptures. This is a man that can quote the old books. He knows the Pentateuch, the five books uh, written by Moses. He knows the law. He can quote the book of Isaiah. Those are things that are qualifications for the Pharisees. He can quote scripture. Guess who else can? The devil knows the book forward and backward. Here was the problem with Nicodemus. You're a man who is one of the most intelligent of all of Israel. And you know the scriptures and you get up and you go to the synagogue. You go play church on Sunday morning. But you can't understand the things of God because you're not filled with the spirit of God. All that was new then. Christ had just come on the scene. He has come to fulfill that all the Old Testament, that all the law be fulfilled. And you come to the new law. So you're, you're coming on to a new time. And what Jesus is explaining is that all things have passed away. The law is fulfilled in me. You trust me as your personal Lord and Savior. You be born again. You were born in the Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit of God that we become a spiritual man. Anybody ever been witnessing to anybody and you're trying to tell them about Jesus? You're trying to tell them about sin? You're trying to tell them about salvation? And, and they say something like, man, I just, I just don't get it. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't understand all that. Can, can, I, can I tell you something? They're telling you the truth. They're, they're telling you the truth. They, they, they can't understand it. Here's all they need to understand. I'm a sinner. And because of my sin, I'm separated from God. And because of my separation from God, I'm going to go to hell, but I don't have to. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth, born of a virgin named Mary, died on Calvary's cross, shed his blood for my sin. That's all you got to know. That's all you got to believe. That's all you got to try to understand. And if you will trust him into your heart, then the Holy Spirit comes in. And then things begin to make more sense. Adrian Rogers said, here's the problem. They're born into the natural world. They're blind to the spiritual world. Therefore, he's bound to the material world. The material world, that's all he knows. Jude 19 says... These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. That word sensual is the exact same word as natural. He does not have the spirit of God living in him. He is a natural man. The, the spiritual man sees things differently because you have the mind of Christ. We as children of God should have the mind of Christ. We're supposed to let the spirit lead us and, and guide us. See, we, we have a completely different set of values. I hope we do. Christians, we ought to have a different level of honesty. We ought to have a different level of integrity. There ought to be a different character. We ought to be different if the spiritual man truly is alive in us. And if we go back to the text, 1 Corinthians, and we move on, look at chapter 3. He says that I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. So we have the natural man, he's lost. He's never trusted Christ. He doesn't understand the things of God. We have the spiritual man, of which I hope we all are. 
The spiritual man is the one that we've been saved, we've been born again, the Spirit of God lives in us, and it helps us to understand the spiritual things, the things that are of God. But then Paul says here that we have this third category, which is the carnal man. The, the, carnal, the carnal man is a Christian, but he lives a defeated walk. He's defeated in, in the things of God. He, he's like, Paul says he's like a babe in Christ. He, he's immature. He's been saved. He's just never grown in the things of Christ. You know, a baby is supposed to be a baby. A baby, y'all wait. A baby is supposed to be a baby. If you don't, there's some people right down there, go down here, go all the way down, take a right. It's called the nursery. They would love to see you. They'd probably love some help. They'd probably love me to finish. Anytime right about now, be fine. A baby is supposed to be a baby. They're supposed to cry when they're hungry. You know why? So we know to feed them something. They're supposed to cry when their diaper's soiled. You know why? So we know to, to change the diaper. But as they grow up, they're supposed to learn something. When they get a little older and they get hungry, they're supposed to learn how to ask, can I have something to eat? Well, candy usually. They're supposed to learn how to go to the bathroom themselves. Don't mess up your diaper and then whine about it. But go to the bathroom and, and use the bathroom. The children are, are supposed to grow up. When they're babies, they're supposed to be like babies. Christians are the same way. When we first get saved, it's okay to be immature in the scriptures. It's okay to not understand some things in the scriptures. It's okay to be a baby in Christ. It's okay to come to church on Sunday morning like a sponge and need to soak up something. Need to soak up something good. Need to learn something from the scriptures. Learn something new about the walk. But, but it, it, it's a time when we're supposed to grow up. Christians are supposed to grow up. Read the book. Learn how to grow. Learn how many of you want your children when they were babies. You wanted them to grow up and act right. You wanted them to grow up and do act right. Get a real job. Earn their way. Get out of your house. Earn their own money. Well, you ain't got to get out of the house. But earn your own way, right? You, you want them to grow up. You want, you want them to learn some things. Well, in this day that we're in, casual Christianity, this, this, this carnal Christian seems to be the norm. The, the carnal Christian is defeated because he's dependent. He's dependent on, on somebody else. Paul says brethren. See, that means he's speaking to Christians. Brethren. I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. That's Christian. But I couldn't speak to you as a Christian, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, here's what Adrian Rogers says. I'm going to tag it on him since he said it, so it don't have to sound like I said it. They want to come to church on Sunday and have the pastor give them a bottle and burp them on the way out. They want to come to church on Sunday and get a little spoon-fed candy cane message. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to spend time praying. They don't want to grow spiritually. They just want somebody to give them just enough to get by. You know, when Corey was a baby, Corey was our... Was our First, born in 91, he was a baby, he was right at nine pounds, and it didn't take him long until the bottle wasn't getting it at night. And he's getting up like every two, two and a half hours wanting some more groceries. Well, when you're getting up at five in the morning going to work and getting home 10, 30, 11, 30 at night, take a quick shower, eat a little quick bite, go back down, that two, two and a half hours, is, is it okay if I, call, if I say irritating? And the kind of sleeper I am, it doesn't matter if Robin was to get up and take care of him. I'm still going to wake up. When I wake up, I'm just up. So, man, something had to be done. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So we told the doctor, look, something's something got to give. I'm going to get this boy a T-bone or something. Something's got to happen. And he said, put some cereal in his milk. I'm just going to go start putting Y'all know about the cereal? Glory to God, whoever invented that is a genius. Thank you, whoever you are. Put that little bit of cereal in there, man, four to six hours at night. They're down for the count. We, we started putting it because he was, he was satisfied. Too many Christians are like a baby. They, they want to cry. They want to complain and make everything, everybody at the church's fault because they're not getting what they want. But, but the truth is, 1 Corinthians 3, 2 said, I fed you with milk, not with meat. For hitherto you're not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. For you're yet carnal. For whereas there's among you envying, strife, Divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? 
Paul said carnal Christians act like a bunch of babies. Oh, I want it like this. No, uh-uh, no, I want it like this. <clears throat> you know, Corey was a baby. He would want a cracker. I mean, just a cracker, a saltine cracker. You know what I'm talking about? But if you got a cracker out and it had any little corner or piece missing, if it was broken, then well, he wouldn't eat it. He loved chocolate chip cookies. And, and can I tell you, sometimes you have a box of chocolate chip cookies. Some of them are broke. And you get them out, they're broken too. But you know what two halves make? Oh, you know what's going to happen when you bite it? Something's going to be missing. If it was broke, mm, broke. Broke. He wouldn't eat a chocolate chip cookie. I'd bite a piece. Look, now it ain't broke. Eat it. Y'all tell us a great dad. <laughs> eat the stupid cookie. Oh, how is the last one in the box is broke? I'm telling way too much on myself, ain't I? I, I let, let me just go ahead and get my daughter to, get to crawl under the pew so that way I can hear about it for the rest of the day. I've already told her she can't live in my house. Y'all just heard me say it while I go, and she knows that ain't true. She wouldn't ride in a car in the dark. You riding at night? She start crying. My mom and dad lived in Fayetteville. It's 498 miles from Fayetteville to LaGrange with a baby crying in the back seat. It ain't long in the daytime, but when you got a baby crying, it's a long way. Now, my wife, she didn't have no problem. She just turns on the light inside the car so she won't cry. Oh, not good old loving dad. It's dangerous. When the light's on inside the car, you can't say, I'm not in danger of the old family. She's got to learn how to shut up. Here, here's the deal. Children grow up. Katie gets up about 4.15 in the morning, leaves the house about 4.45 and drives in the dark to the gym at noon and works out till she goes to the hospital at daylight. She drives in the dark. My son will eat almost anything that don't bite back. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Children are supposed to grow up. At some point, as children, we're supposed to grow up. So are Christians. Paul said, chapter 3, verse 4, One saith, I'm of Paul, another I'm of Apollos. Are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You know, if you take a bunch of toddlers and put them in a room together, some people call it nursery, some people define it by a four-letter word, I don't know. You take a bunch of toddlers and you put them in a room. I don't care how many toys you have. You can do it at Toys R Us and have the toddlers. There's going to be a fight break out over one toy. Because everybody, they want it their way, on their time, and in their... Listen, the same thing is true. That's what Paul is talking about. Carnal Christians, they're not reading the Word of God. They're not spending time in prayer. They're not growing in the Word of God. They're not getting closer to God. They're not seeking the will of God. They're not asking God to live their life. They go to church on Sunday morning. They get a little milk toast, wet down message to get something to stir them up. That came from Charles Chapman. How, man? Milk toast. Something good came out of me from Charles Chapman. Milk toast. Well, he went on with panty wasted and something. That... Listen, as Christians, what Paul is saying, you got some categories. You got the lost world. You got the natural man. I pray that none of us are in the natural man. You got the spiritual man. That's the one that's growing in the things of God. That's the one that comes here looking for something good. That's the one that comes here looking to praise. That's the one that comes in and rejoices. And when you sing, are you worthy? Yes, he's worthy. Yes, he's worthy. Give him what he's worthy of. Praise him and glorify him and learn something. And then read your Bible Monday through Saturday. Pray Monday through Saturday. Come to church as often as you can and come back in looking for something on Sunday. That's a spiritual man. He says, but there's way too many carnal people. There's way too many wearing a tag that says Christian. But the world can't tell them apart. The biggest damage to Christianity today is not the world. The world's the world. The biggest damage to Christianity is one that claims to be a Christian and lives like the devil. That, that is the carnal, the, the one that, 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 that's, not, that's not getting it. Adrian Rogers, he said, the natural man does what comes naturally. 
The spiritual man does what comes supernaturally. The carnal man does what comes unnaturally. Here's my prayer. I, I, hope, I hope nobody out there, no matter where you listen, I hope nobody here is the natural man. If you are, you can change all that. You can change the natural man in an instant. And this is how. Father, I am a sinner. We started out with that. We're all sinners. But if you're a sinner not saved by the grace of God, you can be. Father, I'm a sinner. Remember we talked about that map last week at the mall? Y'all remember the map? You see last week we talked about the mall. Two places. There ain't two places important on the map. Yeah, one is the place you want to get to. And the other one is where are you at? You, you need that because you don't know where, how to get there unless you know where you are. You got to know that you're lost before you can be saved. And if you've never been saved, then you are lost. But you can be saved. His name is Jesus Christ. And it's up to you to say, Father, I, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Save my soul. I don't want to go to hell. That was a prayer. That would come out of my lips. I I said, I don't want to go to hell. Anybody want to go to hell? I don't want to go to hell. People go, well, sometimes you just scare people. Listen, I'm scared. I ain't going to lie to you. I grew up in church. I heard, about, I heard about Revelation. I heard about hell. I was scared of it. Still am. What's the bad is I know I deserve to go there. I just know I never will because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to. If you're the natural man, you've never been saved, you can change all that. Father, forgive me of my sins and save my soul. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If you're a spiritual man, glory to God for you. Study the word. Grow. Grow in grace and knowledge. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But, but then there are, there are carnal people. So I, I just, if we were to identify ourselves this morning based on this criteria, what manner of persons would we be? If this is our criteria, band, you guys come on. If this is our criteria and this is all we had, Paul, Paul said, examine yourselves. See, it's important to identify where we are in life. It's important to have that little red X that says you are here so, so that we know how to get to where we're going because you can't get to where you're going unless you know where you are, right? Here's, here's the deal. I'm listening to this from Dr. Adrian Rogers. It's pretty simple for a Christian sitting in church to go, I'm a, I'm a spiritual man. I'm, 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 a, I'm a spiritual man. I, I read the book every single day. I pray every single day. I, I try my best to write. I try to treat people right. It's pretty easy to listen to a message and go, well, I'm not natural because um, I'm saved. And, and I'm not carnal because I'm, I'm, I'm growing, so I must fall in the spiritual. But then you start examining yourselves, and th there comes some real questions the Holy Spirit gives. A, a truly spiritual person is every decision you ever make guided by the Holy Spirit? We need to make a choice. Does everything you ever do involve prayer before you do it? Now you're starting to understand why this is getting in my grill a little bit. Do, does every decision you ever need to make, do, do you stop to, to just even, even if it needs to be a quick decision, Lord, I need your guidance. I need to know this is right before I do it. Do, do we stop to make sure that the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that we say leads, guides, and directs our life, does he direct every single decision we make, every move we make, everything that we do every minute of our day? Here, here's a problem. I'll probably tell you one reason that that message hit me so hard. I'll not even tell it, but I can't help it. I was at the gas station, and I saw a man come walking up, walking up off the street with a backpack on. I saw, man. See, what I should have said is there's an opportunity. But here's my problem. I was in a really big hurry. I had some guys at the house getting some work done. I had to get some stuff. I had to get some parts. I had to get it fixed ahead of them. I'm in a really big hurry. I don't have time to talk. Anybody ever been in a hurry? Any other type A personalities in here? You know, you don't talk. I'm the only one. Anybody ever in a hurry? I was in a hurry. And what it should have been was there's an opportunity. But what it was was, oh, no. He's coming to ask for money. I ain't got time for this. And as God would see fit, it's one of those pumps that is, it must get paid by time. It's going slow. I'm like, come on, man, really? So he comes walking up. Shoot. I watched that man walk to every trash can in that parking lot. And walk out of that parking lot. I got in my truck. 
I ain't going five miles down the road. No, I said, boy, you did a good one. You really should out for Christ that time, didn't you? you? What do you think he was looking in the trash can for? All you had to do, you didn't even have to talk to him. Walk in and buy a donut and a Coke. Walk in and get a biscuit off the shelf and a Gatorade. All you had to do is get something and walk over and hand to him. And hand him a track when you did. You could have done it while the pump was running. You saw how slow it was. It took five minutes to do it. And I didn't even get a full tank because I got tired of waiting on it and left. And so I started thinking, you know what? God ain't, he's not guiding every decision in my life. If he was, that man would have at least gotten a gospel track and something to eat. But all I saw was I'm in a hurry. I don't have time for that right now. Do you know one day at that great white throne of judgment, what if, what if he's lost and on his way to hell? What if nobody ever reaches him and goes to hell, the great white throne of judgment, and God looks over at me and says, you remember the day at the gas pump? You had a chance to make a difference in his life. You think that stuff's not real? Oh, it's coming. God puts people in front of us for a reason. And I had a chance to make a difference. And here's what I know. At that moment, I was so focused in finishing my day. I was in such a hurry that I was not guided by the Holy Spirit. Call yourself spiritual if you want to. But we make mistakes. Now, here's all I can do. I can ask God to forgive me of my mistakes. I'm never going to forget it any different than I'm ever going to forget Ron Hardeman that died of cancer and I never went and talked to him before when I know I was supposed to. I'm never going to forget it, nor should I. Every one of you's got a story. I believe with all my heart, every one of you's got a story. You've got somebody in your life that you know the Holy Spirit told you to talk to. You know the Holy Spirit guided you. You know you had a purpose and you didn't do it. That's carnal. We may not be living carnal, but in that moment, I was carnal. In that moment, I was focused on the things of the world. I was focused on getting a job done. I was focused on getting where I had to go. That means I wasn't spiritual. And somebody may pay for that because of it. I can tell you one thing. He's already paying for some because he didn't get anything to eat or anything to drink. And I had it within my means to provide for him. And I didn't. I was too worried about him asking for money. And I was so thankful that when he went to the last trash can, he went on the other way. That he didn't come ask for money. I was so thankful it didn't cross my mind to go in there and get him something to eat. The Holy Spirit gave me time to get up the road. Too far away to feel like I could go back and make it right. I said, boy, you really did good at that time, didn't you? You truly looked like a Christian in that one, didn't you? Go ahead and stand. I just... Paul said, examine yourselves. I listened to a message from Adrian Rogers that talks about these three people, the natural, the spiritual, and the carnal. And listening to the message, it's pretty simple. Well, I can't put myself in the natural. I don't really see myself in the carnal. And then God gives me an opportunity like that, and I miss it. All of a sudden, you're not quite as spiritual as you thought you was. <clears throat> you ain't near as close to God <coughs> as you thought you were. We can pray and ask God, help us don't miss the next one. Let me tell you this, the next time you'll be in a bigger hurry, the next time God gives me that opportunity, I will be in a bigger hurry than I was the last time. The next time God gives me that opportunity, there will be something so urgent that I cannot miss it. The opportunity will be presented itself again, and I'll have to make the choice again. What's most important? That's when it starts really turning out. Are we truly spiritual? Is our life truly led by the Holy Spirit? If you're not reading the Word of God, it's not. If you're not spending time in daily prayer, it's not. But it's more than a morning Bible devotion. It's more than a morning read. It's more than a morning prayer. It's all throughout the day. God guide my steps in every decision. I want us to pray. I want us to pray together. I want us to ask each one of us, examine me, God. Help, help me. Realize where I am and where you want me to be so that I can be everything you want me to be. Guys, go ahead and sing. We're going to pray while they sing.